Hello everyone and welcome to Love in Your Life. This is Dola, your host. Um, you know, I started this podcast talking about love and the importance of love in our personal and professional lives. And of course, um, having been a career counselor for a long time, I thought it was important always to understand that, you know, we don't leave love only in our personal lives. We we are entitled to have a modicum of passion in what we do for work. Um, why? Because we, you know, those two things are, are sort of like related very um, specifically in our lives. You know, we come home from work and we've had a day there. And if we've loved what we do, if we love what we do, we are more often, we're more, more likely to be open and, um, you know, not stressed and come in, you know, in a sort of uh, positive mode. And it's just like if we have love in our personal lives, that like we're settled and happy and um, bright and everything around us seems to be um, benefit from that. Okay. So I, I do think it's important. And I know the last several weeks I've been talking about uh, more about the subject of, um, you know, uh, the state of our world and our responsibility um, within the context of um, world peace and happiness. And that seems to be a very big uh, subject. Um, and I still want to talk about that because it's important and it's related. Again, having love in our personal and professional lives does have the tendency to um, spread itself from us to our environment, our outer world, and have an effect, a positive effect on the world. And I do believe in that. Love is the only way, you know, as opposed to fear. And if we look at it from that perspective, it's easy. It becomes, okay, is, is, do I want love or do I want fear? Do I want to be guided by love or guided by fear? And, and it makes it just so much simpler to think in terms of one or the other. Because when, you know, you look at it, all positive emotion can be categorized under the word love and all negative emotion and negative um, occurrences can be categorized under the uh, cause of, from, of coming from fear. You know, um, it emanates from 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 fear. So, uh, so I do want to return to that subject, and I will periodically go back and forth. And I am going to separate the two, um, you know, categorically when I get my act together that way. <laughs> um, but right now, I've been working on um, republishing a book that I wrote um, about relationships and how. Uh, it actually dating. Um, it, it turned out to be a dating and relationships book because uh, I was asked, I was commissioned at the time to write that uh, book and relate it to the search for a job. And I thought that it was very pertinent because I often thought that there were similar um, occurrences or similar stages in our search for a mate and the search for a, the proper the proper mate and proper job, right? So matches, proper matches for ourselves. And what does that entail? It entails first knowing who you are, what you want, right? In both cases, uh, whether it's personal or professional. And what you want, who you are authentically, not, you know, some mask or some, you know, idea of what you would like to be, uh, but rather embracing who you truly are and loving that, uh, that 
who that which you are so that you can um meet someone who is authentically um, a match for you as opposed to attracting someone under some guise of you know this is what I would like to be this is who I you know pretend to be or whatever whatever else is involved in that whole dynamic I don't really um, I do not uh, condone um, not being who you are because who you are is perfectly fine and as soon as you understand that and embrace that um, it's infectious you know other people uh, love and, uh, and appreciate and respect you for uh, that who you, for that person that you are so I've been rewriting the book and not rewriting but re-editing it and and sort of reminding myself of how important it is that when we you know we get ourselves out there whether we're going to do the online dating thing or we're going to you know re-engage uh with the idea of um a match for ourselves it's it's very often after a loss a breakup um at least you know in my age range people have experienced some loss whether it's through divorce or a death of a of a of a mate or even you know some accidental thing or uh, a mismatch or that should have never occurred in the first place you know we have loss and we experience loss and that's kind of like the first stage is kind of getting over that loss and you know they say the grieving process is real and it's um, you know it's several stages and we kind of go back and forth through the stages until we get to acceptance which is the you know motivating and mo uh, and mobilizing I should say uh, motivating and mo mobilizing aspect of our quote search okay so you know our re-engagement uh, requires that we are um, mobilized you know that we are not standing still in fear or um, Oh, I don't know a number of things: loneliness, um, concern, uh, you know, whatever it is that sort of uh, embraces us. It just is a side note. I was thinking about something I saw on TV the other day, and and uh, the person was, you know, suggesting that when we walk by a homeless person, that we acknowledge that they're there because. Um, you know, everybody wants to be accepted. And, and that kind of reminded me of this whole process, you know, of when we go out there and we're out, uh, you know, kind of open to engaging with other people, you know, looking for other people, whether we're really young in our 20s when it's so easy and we go to bars or, you know, go to a social event and we connect all over the place, or we're in our 30s getting more mature in our 40s. And even in our 50s, uh, being open to like I said re-engaging with that process because we've experienced a loss or or maybe you know very rarely do you find people you know in their 50s that are out there for the first time but you know there are those too so if um, whatever applies to you you know you can take that um, but I was I was thinking about a couple of things and it's going to take a couple of podcasts to explain it because there's so much information so much I want to say about it um, I've studied it all my life. I've watched it and observed it and um, took notes on it and wrote about it and all kinds of, um, I'm, I'm really, you know, uh, almost become um, immersed in the subject of searching for a mate. And again, I did that 
professionally for a career match, and that's very pertinent with the stages that I go over. Um, but I also do it for people in terms of you know the observation, the feeding back. Um, you know, I kind of have gotten into many, many, many conversations with people about. Um, you know, I'm, I guess I'm a good listener, and I I kind of I wish uh, that they would listen to themselves sometimes because when I listen to them, I get it right away, almost right away. I mean, I put the pieces together. Um, sometimes I ask, you know, when they're born for their astrological uh, information because sometimes that's, you know, very interesting and pertinent and almost everybody that I ask that to does not get offended by it because they too see the value in looking uh, at various aspects of their personality, their, you know, their, their, um, their identities, you know, their ego identities, but beyond the egoic identity, which is your body and your personality and all of that, is the real essence of the person, you know, your soul, your soulfulness, you know, what you came here to accomplish and um, that has a lot of pertinence to me because you know unless we take that moment and really go inside and listen for our answers we really are missing out on a very valuable resource that is given to us by nature by God by by our higher power by our source whatever a, you know, term you use to explain that, but we definitely have that available to us, and it does take some, you know, um, some quiet time, some quiet moments, um, you know, some some moments where you're really internally focused so that you hear it because oftentimes we can't hear because there's so much noise around us we can't really attend to that part of us. So it's very very important that we you know, acknowledge that part because that's a valuable resource, but it's also there for us, whether we know it or not. It's just waiting for us to ask the question. You know, Course in Miracles says that the Holy Spirit, the way they describe it is the Holy Spirit doesn't come uninvited. And I kind of think about that too. You know, if you don't say, I need help and I would like you to help with my um, my search, you know what what are what are the answers to these questions that I have, and then sit quiet to hear the answers because that guide will appear. It, it may not appear in physical form for some people, it does, but um, it definitely the voice is there. That internal voice is there, waiting to be asked, right? And again, the Holy Spirit just ref- uh, you know just is the way that uh, that the Course in Miracles uh, refers to that voice. Um, so it's our guide. Um, but you know, I I I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the personality typing because. It's so useful to us if we understand it and, you know, if we want a, uh, a scientific version of taking the test, the questionnaire, there is the Berkman and I'm going to be having it on the website so that you can uh, sign up for it. And for a period of time, I will offer it at my cost so that, um, so that I could get enough people doing it because I really do want to help. Uh, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to to do any um, 
any debriefing of it because I will I would offer you the reports that are more or less self-explanatory so you, you don't really need me and then I can offer you uh, it costs so um but the personality typing, you know, Carl Jung postulated uh, many, many moons ago in the 1800s that, you know, our, our personality typing or our uh, temperament can be categorized using the quadrants, four quadrants, right? And within those, each of those quadrants, there are minute, you know, uh, uh, manifestations of you know unique uh, combinations, uh, which you know which were called other words, other names, other titles, other descriptions. But for the purposes of our discussion, I am going to say that there are four quadrants and four personality types, and the scales that are used to create those four quadrants are assertiveness and non-assertiveness, or another way of saying that is extroverted people versus introverted people and we all know each one of each of those and it's important to define that by the way because I think people think of extroverted people as people who like uh, to be social and that would be somewhat correct but it is also that they get derive their energy from being engaged with the outside world whether it be people places or things right mostly people and places <laughs> things would uh would be uh, contingent on if the things included uh people and um you know other um other aspects because they wouldn't want to be alone with the things for long periods of time that would frustrate them right whereas the non-assertive or introverted people get their energy from being alone with their work with their their uh, nature, with their selves, you know, their internal um, guidance. So we have the extra extroverted people, I'll say at the top of the scale, and the introverted people on the bottom of the scale of the X axes. On the Y, oh, that's that would be the Y axes. I'm sorry. And on the X axes, we would have everything from people who are responsive and feelings oriented. I would call that the right-hand side. And then we go to the left where on the left axis, the x-axis is the people who are non-responsive or more objective, more task-oriented, more um, more things-oriented as opposed to the people that are more responsive and more oriented toward more subjective, more feelings driven as opposed to task driven. So what we create then is the four quadrants. And within those four quadrants, if we had a non-responsive, uh, I'm sorry, a, a extroverted person who is less responsive or non-responsive, that would be on the upper left-hand quadrant, that person would be considered a doer, right? Or uh, a person who is a driver, a doer or a driver. Think of the two Ds. So that person is extroverted and more objective, right? If we go on uh, adjacent to that um, over at the top and stay at the extroverted and we say the feelings-oriented extroverted people, we would have those people called expressives or, um, you know, 
they would they would be the types that would be think about it you know managers salespeople teachers people who engage with people but they do it in a very assertive way they they take charge right they're very um they're not concerned they're not internally guided as much as they are externally driven then we go to the bottom and we have the people on the left uh, bottom we would have them be the objective introverted or less assertive types and we call those analytical people they're like the computers and the, the computer engineers and the engineers engineers <laughs> and the people um, who are perhaps accountants people that can work with systems and data and are perfectly happy doing so and they're on the left uh left side which is like i said the introverted can be alone and the uh objective very um you know, left, left, I call it left brain, right brain too. Um, and then we have the the creators. The, the last quadrant that is left is the introverted, but the feelings people, the subjective people, and they're they're planners and creators and they 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 are called amiable because they kind of you know go with the flow they don't really have any you know they're they're kind of easy about uh things as long as they can create and plan so um, I, I definitely have to leave it there because we're getting up on almost 20 minutes, but I'm going to have part B be the next um, podcast because I think we um, need to talk about this in terms of not only what you, how you need to be cognizant of these differences for the purposes of a job match, job search, but you also need to take in this into account when you're meeting other people so that not only can you accept their differences, whatever they are, and to the extent that you can determine, uh, and there are some cues to determining it in, in the environment and as soon, as soon as you see people. And a lot of times when you describe this, people go, oh, I yes, I, I totally get that. And I knew that person was exact opposite to me, um, you know, because we have this sense, the sixth sense, sense that is aware of uh, uniqueness and unique personality characteristics. So, so they um, they are very important in the search for a mate as well as the search for a proper job match. So, um, I'll be talking about that in the next uh, how we how we. The details of what those differences are and how we go about utilizing uh, even the cues from the environment so that we can help ourselves um, do a job for ourselves that is most accurate, most aware, uh, and most um, sensitive to uh, what, how we, you know, our differences as personal personality characteristics not our differences as human in humanity because there are no differences in humanity we are all humans right having a we're spirits having a human experience and in that we are united and i hope uh we we that's the you know the sort of the understanding that we go into this with so the differences are specifically related to our temperament our personality our needs our internal needs because we do want to meet our needs and we have to understand that other people need to meet their needs and how we go about you know sort of um matching up and why some matches will work while others will be disastrous 
Okay, until next time, guys, live, don't forget, live with love in your life. Insist on it, personally and professionally. Till next time, everyone, bye-bye.